Chapter Thirteen of A Voyage in the Sunbeam by Anna Brassey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dovey Cross, Taos, New Mexico. The South Sea Islands. And all throughout the air there reigned the sense of waking dream with luscious thoughts o'erladen, of joy too conscious made and too intense by the swift advent of excessive aden bewilderment of beauty's affluence tuesday november twenty eighth we passed anna or chain island in the morning watch before daybreak i came on deck to try and get a glimpse of it and was rewarded by a glorious sunrise we had a nice eight-knot breeze and a strong current in our favour and just before breakfast tom descried from the masthead amanu or Muller Island, which we had hardly expected to make before ten or eleven o'clock. Someone remarked that it seemed almost as if it had come out to meet us. The reef encircling this island varies much in height and vegetation. In some places it supports a noble grove of trees, in others the sea breaks over the half-submerged coral bed, the first obstacle it has met for four thousand miles, with a roar like thunder. Before we had lost sight of Amanu, the island of Hau Harp, or Bow Island, was visible on our port bow. I wished very much to land, and at last persuaded Tom, who was rather anxious on the score of the natives, to allow some of us to make the attempt, us cautioning to turn away from the shore directly, in case the islanders looked at all doubtful in their attitude and intentions. After lunch, therefore, we hove to, and the gig's crew were ordered to arm themselves with revolvers and rifles, which they were not to show unless required to do so. All the gentlemen had revolvers, and Mabel and I were also provided with two small ones, Phillips and Muriel being the only unarmed members of the party. I took a bagful of beads, knives, looking-glasses, and pictures, for barter and presents, and with these preparations we set off to make our first personal acquaintance with the islanders of the South Pacific. Tom gave us a tow to windward, and we then rowed direct to a point on one side of the entrance to the lagoon, where we saw some natives waving something white. As we approached, we could distinguish several figures standing on the point, under the shade of some coconut trees, and on the opposite side of the entrance, some canoes were drawn up on the beach, by the side of a hut, close to a large clump of low trees. We were by this time surrounded by breakers, and it required no little skill to steer the boat safely through the broken water, between the race of the tide on one side and the overfall from the coral reef on the other. It was successfully done, however, and, having rounded the point, we found ourselves at once in the waters of the tranquil lagoon. We should have preferred to land at the point had it been possible, as it was doubtful whether it would be safe to go round the corner and so lose sight of the yacht, but the intentions of the natives seemed peaceable, several of them running into the water up to their waists to meet us, while others could be seen hurrying along the beach, the women carrying what looked like bunches of fruit. It is really impossible to describe the beauty of the scene before us. Submarine coral forests of every color, studded with sea-flowers, anemones, and echidnidae, of a brilliancy only to be seen in dreamland, shoals of the brightest and swiftest fish darting and flashing in and out shells every one of which was fit to hold the place of honour in a conchologist's collection moving slowly along with their living inmates 
This is what we saw when we looked down from the side of the boat into the depths below. The surface of the water glittered with every imaginable tint, from the palest aquamarine to the brightest emerald, from the pure light blue of the turquoise to the deep dark blue of the sapphire, and was dotted here and there with patches of red, brown, and green coral rising from the mass below. Before us on the shore there spread the rich growth of tropical vegetation, shaded by palms and coconuts, and enlivened by the presence of native women in red, blue, and green garments, and men in motley costumes, bringing fish, fowls, and bunches of coconuts, born like the grapes brought back from the land of Canaan by the spies on poles. As soon as we touched the shore, the men rushed forward to meet us and to shake hands, and, having left the muskets and revolvers judiciously out of sight in the boat, we were conducted to a cluster of huts made of branches, or rather leaves, of the palm tree, tied by their footstalks across two poles and hanging down to the ground. Here we were met by the women and children who, likewise, all went through the ceremony of shaking hands with us, after which the head woman, who was very good-looking and was dressed in a cherry-colored calico gown with two long plaits of black hair hanging down her back, spread a mat for me to sit upon just outside the hut. By this time there was quite a little crowd of people assembled round, amongst whom I noticed one woman with a baby, who had her hair sticking straight out all round her head, and another who held a portion of her dress constantly before her face. After the gentleman had walked away, she removed the cloth, and I then saw that her nose had been cut off. Most of the women were good-looking, with dark complexions and quantities of well-greased, neatly plaited black hair, but we did not see a single young girl, though there were plenty of children and babies and lots of boys, the latter of whom, like some of the older women, had only a piece of palm matting round their loins. We therefore came to the conclusion that the girls must have been sent away intentionally, when the approach of the yacht was observed. As soon as I was seated, the head woman told one of the men to knock down some coconuts from the trees close by, and after cutting off the ends, she offered us a drink of the fresh cool milk, which was all the sweeter and better for the fact that the nuts were not nearly ripe. While this was going on, the natives brought piles of coconuts, fish, and fowls, and laid them at our feet as a present. Some of the fish were of a dark brown color, like bream, Others were long and thin, with a pipe-like nose and four fins, somewhat resembling the wings of a flying fish. Seeing smoke in the distance, rising from under some high palm trees, we thought we should like to go and see whence it proceeded, and accordingly set off to walk through a sort of bush, over sharp coral that cut one's boots terribly, the sun blazing down upon us fiercely all the time, until we reached a little settlement, consisting of several huts, the inhabitants of which were absent fine plaited mats for beds, coconut shells for cups, mother-of-pearl shells for plates, and coral of various kinds and shapes for dishes and cooking utensils, formed their only furniture. We saw three women, one very old, with nothing but a palm-leaf mat as a covering, the others dressed in the apparently universal costume, consisting of a long, bright-colored gown put into a yoke at the shoulders, and flowing thence loosely to the ground, which completely conceals the wearer's form, even to the tips of her toes. I think these dresses must come from England or America, for they are evidently machine-made, and the cotton stuffed of which they are composed has the most extraordinary patterns printed on it I ever saw. Cherry and white, dark blue and yellow or white stripes, 
red with yellow spots and blue with yellow crosses appeared to be the favorite designs the women seemed gentle and kind and were delighted with some beads looking-glasses and knives i gave them in return for which they brought us quantities of beautiful shells we saw the large iron knee of a vessel in one spot during our walk and wondered how it came there in another place we saw a canoe in process of construction ingeniously made of boards sewed together with plaited palm leaves the canoes in use here are very high long and narrow and are only kept from upsetting by means of a tremendous outrigger consisting of a log fastened to the extremity of two bent pieces of wood projecting sideways from each end of the boat the only animals we met with in our ramble were four pigs and a few chickens and no other livestock of any kind was visible no attempt seemed to be made at the cultivation of the ground and i think if there had been we must have observed it for our party separated and walked a good distance in various directions the natives made us understand that on the other side of the entrance to the lagoon in the better sort of house we had noticed there resided a white man he did not however make his appearance during our visit and i imagine he must have been one of those individuals called beachcombers referred to in so many of the books that treat of the south sea islands a sort of ne'er-do-well englishman or american rather afraid of meeting any of his own countrymen but very clever at making a bargain between a ship's crew and the natives with considerable profit to himself among the bushes we found numbers of large hermit crabs crawling or rather running about in whelk shells half a dozen of them occasionally having a grand fight amongst themselves we picked up at least twenty different sorts of gracefully shaped pieces of coral and quantities of shells of an infinite variety of form and color cowries helmet shells the shells from which cameos are sometimes cut mother-of-pearl shells and a large spiral univalve nearly a foot long with dark brown spots and stripes on a delicate cream-colored ground like the skin of a tiger or leopard on our way back to the huts we peeped into several of the canoes drawn up on the beach in which were some fish spears and a fish hook nearly three inches long made of solid mother-of-pearl the natural curve of the shell from which it was cut being preserved a piece of bone was securely fastened to it by means of some pig's hair but there was no bait and it seemed that the glitter of the mother-of-pearl alone serves as a sufficient allurement to the fish in nearly all accounts of voyages in the south seas much space is devoted to the description of the purchase or rather barter of hogs we thought we could not do better than follow as far as possible the example of our predecessors and accordingly bought two little pigs for two shillings each they were evidently quite pets lying on the mats outside the huts and coming when called just like dogs the one i first bought appeared to be quite happy and content to be carried under my arm the natives seemed quite to understand the value of money and did not hesitate to ask for it in return for the coconuts full of shells which they brought us i fancy some of the tahiti schooners trade here for pearl shells and beche de mer the coconuts fowls fish coral etc having been put into our boat we shook hands with the friendly islanders and embarked and having rounded the point we soon found ourselves again in the broken water outside the lagoon where the race of the tide and the overfall were now much more violent than they had been when we landed if we had once been drawn into the current we should have stood a good chance of being knocked to pieces on the coral reefs strong as our boat was but the danger was happily avoided and we reached the yacht safely much to tom's relief 
the natives did not exhibit the slightest curiosity about us during our visit to the island and though they received us with courtesy and assisted us as far as they could on our arrival and departure they did not follow us about while on shore nor with the exception of one or two of them did they take the trouble to walk across the point to see us get into the open sea and join the yacht in this respect they might have given a lesson to many civilized people so gentle genial and graceful yet dignified were their manners the screw having been feathered and the sails set our voyage was at once resumed a few miles from where we had landed we saw high and dry on the coral reef skirting the island a large square-built schooner of about five hundred tons her masts gone her hull bleached white by the sun and a great hole in her side she was on the inside of the reef and must therefore either have drifted there from the lagoon or else have been lifted bodily across by one of the big pacific rollers in some terrible storm no doubt the iron knee we had seen on the island originally formed part of this vessel wednesday november twenty ninth we seem to have got into the real southeast trades just as the chart tells us we ought to expect to lose them for there was a strong fair breeze all day which made it very pleasant on deck in the shade of the sails but it was exceedingly hot in the saloon where some of the woodwork has been pulled down in order to secure better ventilation for the galley and the berths of some of the men who i hope appreciate the alteration for it is a source of considerable discomfort to us we had the bigger of our two little pigs for dinner to-day and a welcome change it was from the salt and potted meats he was most excellent and fully corroborated captain cook's statement as to the superiority of south sea island pork to any other a fact which is doubtless due to the pigs being fed entirely on coconuts and bread-fruit still it seemed a pity to eat such a tame creature and i mean to try and preserve the other one's life unless we are much longer than we expect in reaching tahiti he is only about ten inches long but looks at least a hundred years old and is altogether the most quaint old-fashioned little object you ever saw he has taken a great fancy to the dogs and trots about after me with them everywhere on the tips of his little toes even up and down the steep cabin stairs i call him a gag because he walks so delicately whilst others accost him as beau not only on account of his elegant manners but as being the name of his former home the moon was more brilliant this evening than we have yet seen her during our voyage and we could enjoy sitting on deck reading and even doing some coarse needlework without any other light one splendid meteor flashed across the sky it was of a light orange colour with a fiery tail about two degrees in extent and described in its course an arc of about sixty degrees from south-southeast to north-northwest before it disappeared into space far above the horizon if the night had been darker the spectacle would have been finer but even as it was the moon seemed quite paled for a few minutes afterwards we have seen many meteors falling stars and shooting stars since we left valparaiso but none so fine as the one this evening friday december first the sun rose grandly but the heavy black and red clouds looking like flames and smoke from a furnace gave promise of more rain the heat was greater to-day than any we have yet felt and it is now nearly midwinter at home at five a m we made the island of matia and expected to reach it in about an hour and a half but the wind fell light and it was a quarter to ten before we got into the gig and set out for the shore there are not many instructions about landing either in captain cook or findlay 
but the latter mentions that houses are to be found on the south side of the island we thought however we could distinguish from the yacht a little cove close to some huts at another part of the shore where the surf did not break so heavily we accordingly rode straight for it and as we approached we could see the natives coming down from all parts to meet us the women dressed in the same sort of long bright flowing garments we had seen at how harp with the addition of garlands round their necks and heads the men wearing gay-coloured loincloths shirts of manchester cotton stuff flying loose in the wind and sailors hats with garlands round them or coloured silk handkerchiefs red and orange evidently having the preference tied over their heads and jauntily knotted on one side several of the men waded out into the surf to meet us sometimes standing on a rock two feet above the water sometimes buried up to their necks by a sudden wave but the rocks were sharp the only available passage was narrow and the rollers long and high and altogether it looked upon closer inspection too unpromising a place to attempt a landing much to the disappointment of the natives therefore we decided to go round and try the other side of the island seeing us prepare to depart the people on shore immediately launched a tiny canoe with an enormous outrigger and a man dressed in a pale green shirt dark blue and yellow undergarment and with a silk handkerchief and garland on his head came alongside and made signs that he would take us ashore one by one in his frail-looking craft but the heavy pacific rollers and the sharp rocks daunted us and we declined his offer with thanks and rowed off to the southward anything more enticing than the cove we were quitting can hardly be imagined a fringe of coconuts and breadfruit trees overhanging an undergrowth of bright glossy foliage and flowers a few half-hidden palm-leaf-covered huts, from one of which, I suppose the chiefs, a tattered Tahitian flag floated in the breeze, a small schooner drawn up among the trees and carefully covered with mats, the steep sugar-loaf point at the entrance to the cove, clothed to its summit with grass and vegetation. These were the objects which attracted our attention in our hurried survey of the scene." We had to give the island a wide berth in rowing round it, on account of the heavy rollers, which seemed to come from every side, breaking in surf against the dark brown cliffs, and throwing columns of white spray, from which the brilliant sunshine was reflected in rainbow hues, high into the air. As we proceeded, matters looked worse and worse, and the motion of the boat became so disagreeable that both Muriel and I were very ill. At last we came to a spot where we could see some people sitting on the shore, and several others, who had probably come over from the other side to meet us, running swiftly down the sides of the cliffs to the beach. The island was of a different character from the one we had already visited, and was evidently of volcanic origin. No coral was anywhere to be seen, but there were big rocks jutting out at intervals into the sea all round it, one of which seemed large enough to afford us a sort of shelter in landing. The natives waved and pointed towards the channel beyond this rock, and one or two swam out to meet us, but we soon found that the channel would not be wide enough to admit our big boat, though it was no doubt sufficient for a light canoe, drawing some two inches of water. We therefore reluctantly turned away and resumed our uneasy coasting voyage, in the course of which we passed some nearly leafless trees, full of white patches, too large for flowers, which afterwards turned out to be booby birds, who here find a resting place. They are so numerous that it is hardly possible to walk beneath the trees without treading on their eggs. Having completed the circuit of the island, we found ourselves once more opposite the spot where we had first thought of landing, 
and the tide being by this time a little higher, we decided to make another attempt. Some of the natives, seeing us approach, plunged into the water as before, and seized the gunwale of the boat, while others on shore brought down rollers to put beneath our keel. We went in on the top of a big wave, and thus at last found ourselves, boat and all, high and dry on the beach of Matia. The people came down to meet us and conducted us to the house of the chief, who, with his pretty wife, received us kindly, but with much gravity and dignity. Mats were placed for me to sit upon, wreaths were offered me for my head and neck, and coconut milk to drink. We wished for some bananas, and they immediately cut down a tree in order to obtain a bunch. Coconuts were at the same time thrown down from the trees, and a collection of fruit, poultry, and meat, the latter consisting of the immemorial hog, was laid at our feet as a present from the chief. The rest of the natives brought us pearls, shells, mother-of-pearl, small canoes, fish-hooks, young boobies, and all sorts of things, for barter, but the chief himself refused any return for his gift. Perhaps the greatest curiosity they offered us was about six fathoms of fine twine made from human hair. Before these islands were visited by Europeans, this was the material from which fishing lines were made, but it is now rarely used and is consequently very difficult to procure. The young boobies they brought us looked just like a white powder puff and were covered with down far thicker and softer than any swan's down I ever saw. The natives seemed quite au fait in the matter of monetary transactions and exchanges. For an English sovereign, they would give you change at the rate of five dollars. Chilean or United States dollars they accepted readily, but Brazilian currency they would not look at. They were pleased with knives, beads, looking-glasses, and picture papers I had brought on shore, and we did a brisk trade. We experienced great difficulty in explaining to them that we wanted some fresh eggs, Muriel's especial fancy, and a luxury which we have been without for some time. At last, by pointing to the fowls and picking up some small egg-shaped stones, we managed to procure a few, though from the time it took to collect them, I should think the island must have been scoured in the search for them. Most of the natives seemed puzzled to comprehend why we had visited the island at all. No sell brandy? No. No steely men? No. No do what then? Their knowledge of English was too limited to enable us to make them understand that we were only making a voyage of circumnavigation in a yacht. It was now time to bid farewell to our amiable hosts and their beautiful island. As we reached the landing place, a small schooner, which we had previously noticed in the distance, came close to the shore, and a canoe put off from the island to meet it. We found that the vessel was bringing back from Tahiti and other places some of the inhabitants of the island, who had been away on a visit or in search of work. The meeting of the reunited friends and relatives was in some cases quite touching. Two women in particular sat and embraced each other for nearly a quarter of an hour, without moving, but with tears running down their faces. All our gifts and purchases having been placed in the boat, and one or two of us having embarked, she was shoved out over the wooden rollers into the narrow channel, where she lay to while the rest of the party were brought alongside, one by one, in a frail canoe, an operation which occupied some time, during which we had leisure once more to admire the little bay I have already attempted to describe. We asked the captain of the schooner, who spoke French, to give us a tow off to the yacht, which he willingly consented to do, chatting cheerfully all the time, but evidently fearful of approaching too close to the yacht, 
and positively refusing our invitation to him to come on board. There can be little doubt that he mistrusted our intentions and feared we might attempt to kidnap him and his crew, for the whites have, in too many cases, behaved in a most villainous manner to the inhabitants of these islands, who are, as a rule, to which there are, of course, exceptions, a kind and gentle people. I think if the many instances of the murder of ships and boats' crews could be thoroughly sifted to the bottom, it would be found that most of them were acts of reprisal and revenge for brutal atrocities committed on the defenseless natives, who have been kidnapped, plundered, and murdered by unscrupulous traders and adventurers. Unfortunately, the good suffer for the bad, and such lives as those of Captain Goodenough and Bishop Pattison are sacrificed through the unpardonable misconduct of others, perhaps their own countrymen. It is still quite a chance how you may be received in some of the islands, for if the visit of the last ship was the occasion of the murder, plunder, and ill-treatment of the inhabitants, it is not to be wondered at that the next comers should be received with distrust, if not with treachery and violence. We reached the yacht at four o'clock, rather exhausted by so many hours' exposure to the broiling sun, having had nothing to eat since breakfast at seven a.m., except coconuts and bananas. The ship was put about, the sails filled, and continuing steadily on our course throughout the evening, we made the smaller of the two peninsulas that form the island of Tahiti at 10.30 p.m. Saturday, December 2nd. We were dodging on and off all night, and at daybreak the weather was thick and rainy. At 4.30 a.m. we made the land again, and crept slowly along it, past Point Venus and the lighthouse in Matavai Bay, Captain Cook's first anchorage, until we were off the harbor of Papiti. Footnote. Papiete or Papite. A bag of water. End footnote. The rain was now descending in torrents, and we lay to outside the reef for a short time, until a French pilot came on board and took us in through the narrow entrance. It was curious, while we were tumbling about in the rough sea outside, to see the natives placidly fishing in the tiniest of canoes on the lagoon inside the reef, the waves beating all the time furiously on the outer surface of the coral breakwater, as if anxious to seize and engulf them. At nine o'clock we were safely anchored in the chief port of the island of Tahiti. Perhaps I cannot better bring this account of our long voyage from Valparaiso to a conclusion than by a quotation from a charming book given to me at Rio, which I have lately been reading. Baron de Hupner, Promenade autour du monde, les jours c'est souvent et c'est ressemblant. Sauf le corps, épisode du mauvais temps, ces trois semaines me font l'effet d'un charmant rêve, d'un conte de fées, d'une promenade imaginaire à travers une salle immense, tout au est le pis lazoui, pas un moment de nuit ou d'impatience. Si vous voulez abréger les langues d'un grand traversier, distribuez bien votre temps et observez le règlement que vous voulez imposer. C'est un moyen sûr de se faire promptement à la vie claustrale et même d'un jouy. We have been five weeks at sea and have enjoyed them quite as much as the baron did his three. We saw but two ships between Valparaiso and Takotoroa, he saw only one between San Francisco and Yokohama. It is indeed a vast and lonely ocean that we have traversed. 
End of chapter 13